In uh, this series we are just finishing this morning, we have talked about what it means to be called by God. Everyone from every background, no matter what, is called to salvation through Jesus. Everyone is invited to that. Everyone is created to worship God and is called to a life of worship. That's what we're created for. Everyone has been given a part to play and gifts to share with the church and the world. And you and I are called to serve with and in these things. That's a green light. That's a green light. That's a green light for your life every time. And the church is also called, we talked last week, also called to be actively listening to the Spirit. And responding to the call he has for some to be set apart for a specific ministry or missionary or missional vocations. Another green light in the church. We're called to do that together. So on this fifth Sunday, we're going to wrap this up by asking the question, what are you called to? What are you called to? And gosh, I hope your answer is, Pastor, that's easy. Salvation, worship, and service. You already told us in the month of October. That's so right. Yes, well done. Um, and I would love it if some of you also said, you know what? I'm also, I'm also called to vocational ministry. That would be so great too. Green light, green light, green light. But what does that look like to walk that out in every, the everyday, ordinary things of life? So to cap off this series, I want to take one more kind of wide view. And then at the end of the service, some of you I've talked to already, I want you to hear a few stories about how this works in, in real life. So I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, we're going to read, I, I don't do this super often, but I wanted to because I, I loved all of these versions. We're going to start in the NIV, and then we're going to read it in the NLT and the KJV, or the New Living Translation and the King James Version. So 1 Thessalonians 5, I mean, I guess I could open my Bible. It's only, it's, it's very short, but it's good if you have it, your Bible with you, you can underline it. Because then you can come back to it over and over again. 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to read 16 to 18. Here it is in the NIV. It says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me read it for you in the New Living Translation. If you're in the YouVersion app, you can just change the translation. Or if you're in the event for today in the YouVersion app, you can, you can see it's already loaded there for you in this translation. The NLT says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And the King James, which is actually most, of, of, of the three, actually most accurate, a little harder to read in, in modern English, most accurate to the original text says this, Rejoice evermore. This has more weight when you say it like that. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Everybody say the last two words. Concerning you. I don't know. I love it. It's authoritative. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. When someone tells me they just don't know what the will of God is for their life, I always start here. Is that oversimplifying things? I don't think so. Good, that was the right answer. No. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. It's so simple in these three verses that could probably be one. It's so simple, but it is so rich and so nuanced. If you are looking for the will of God in your life, you are calling, then check your heart against these verses. Always start here. Rejoice always. Rejoice evermore. Paul, who is writing this to the church in Thessalonica, 
rejoiced in suffering. He didn't rejoice despite his suffering, though I'm sure there was a sum of that. He literally says he rejoices because of it. This was the crazy thing. He found the silver lining in his hardship. In 2 Corinthians 12, 10, he said, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He said in Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And he, he says earlier in the, in the letter, he, this first letter he wrote to the, the church in Thessalonica in uh, chapter 1, he wrote to this church because he said to them, hey, not only like, am I telling you to do this, you are already living this out. He said this about them. He said, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers. So he's talking to a church who understood difficulty, but also understood joy. Not always despite the difficulty, though again, probably part of it, but kind of like because of it, because in their suffering, they got to see what God could do, how strong he could be, how he could show up, and they found so much joy in it. Because this was a church who was persecuted, and its leaders were imprisoned, and, and they, were, they were beaten, and there was a consistent call for joy among them, and they had it. Like uh, Paul says something similar very simply in, in Philippians 4 when he writes to the church in Philippi. He says, rejoice always. And if you know it, what did he say after that? Again, I say, rejoice. <laughs> in case you missed it the first time I said it, rejoice. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So it's the very nature of God himself, joy. And, and the fruit of the Spirit, we know from Galatians 5, is supposed to be growing in our lives. And if you maybe think about it this way, joy is not a characteristic of many or maybe any of the other major world religions. Especially in Paul's time, this was true. Joy was not something, like religion was something that was, that was, um, that was like pious and, and sad and, and, and uh, like heartfelt perhaps for some. But finding joy in those things was not common. It's not common in many other religions. But remember that this here, this joy, this is not an order for the church in Thessalonica to be happy. Just be happy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm inviting you to worship. I'm inviting you to hear, like in the Psalms when it says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord or shout for joy to the Lord. There's an invitation to say, um, be joyful always, give thanks. Though These things, he's calling them to worship. Why can we have joy in every circumstance? Why is this even possible? Jesus said in John 16, 22, I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. How do we know that we can have joy no matter what? It's from knowing and seeing Jesus himself, both in the circumstances and his presence in our life now, but also the hope that there will be a day where we won't even be having to deal with these things. But he's going to make it all new, and we're going to see him face to face. So we can have joy no matter what. I'm not talking about superficial happiness. I hope you're happy. I really do. 
Like I, like, I love that for you. I want you to be happy. But we also know just, we just know that that's not always going to be true. But joy can be a constant in your life. And so when you choose to find joy in every circumstance, maybe despite your circumstance or maybe because of your circumstance, I really do believe that you start to get a clear vision of your life and the life to come. I have never found in my life that discouragement leads me to deeply fulfilling things in my life. I'm not saying I've never been discouraged. That's why I'm saying I can say this with authority because I've been there so many times in my life. But when I'm discouraged, I don't find that that's a place where I can, I, I know what I should do next. Where I understand what God's will is for me. When I, when I am deep in discouragement, I don't find the, the things in my life fulfilling. But when I look for joy despite my discouragement, when I look for that joy that is unshakable, it's then that I know what to do. It's then that I know how to respond. It's then that I know where I should serve. It's then that I can be encouraged no matter what else is going on in my life. And so cooperating with the Holy Spirit's development of joy in my life as a fruit of the Spirit is the source of, and I, I'm sorry to steal this from the hymn, but I can't help it. I love this phrase. I keep coming back to it. When I cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is growing in my life, and he is joy, and he grows joy in me, he is the strength, he, he, he is the source of my strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And you know that when I was working on this message, I'm just like, blessings all mine, just by myself. Do you want to help me? With 10,000 beside, we sing, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Right? That's joy, friends. That's your source of joy. That's why you can have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Because of the faithfulness of God that never quits. Paul also says, pray continually or pray without ceasing. Jesus taught us this. Jesus said, pray and don't give up. If you remember the, the parable of the persistent widow, if you never heard of it, go ahead and check it out in Luke chapter 17. And then in Luke chapter 18, it says, Jesus told his disciples, a I guess it was in Luke 18, pardon me. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. And then he told them about this persistent widow who was just like continually going, going, and going, going to the judge until she got what she, the justice that she needed. And he says, it's not, it's not like Jesus is standing there going, oh, fine, I'll do it. That's not the point of that parable. The point is to say, pray and don't give up. How much more does your heavenly father want to pour out things in your life, you know? So how is it possible to pray continually, pray without ceasing? How do you always be praying? Because it's not as if you can spend every moment of your day on your knees. Because that's just not real. Like you have things. So you have to work and hopefully you shower. Like you've got things to do. You've got real things to do. And, and that's okay because that's not what we're called to. It doesn't mean you have to spend every moment of your day on your knees 
What I believe this is saying is that we're called to a posture of prayer that leads to prayerfulness being our default reaction and action throughout every day. So first, the thing, in order to create that posture of prayer, we do have to carve out a time for prayer in our lives. Some quiet time, some focused time. However that works for you, we could go into a whole series of just different ways that people connect with God in prayer. All of us are so different. But however that looks to you, you carve out a a specific time in your day where you pray. You focus on the Lord. You talk to him. You listen to what he might say. And then as you do that, you allow that posture of prayer that comes from those moments, those, those intentional moments, to inform the rest of the hours in your day. So you may not make it back to your prayer closet or your prayer journal or that prayer walk or whatever it is that you do to connect with God later on in the day. But because of that time and space you've carved out, you can hold that posture of prayer in your heart for the rest of your day. You can be then asking the Holy Spirit for guidance in every conversation or every decision. Um, You can, uh, when when, when burdens come on you in the day, you can, you're already in that posture of of prayer and you could say, Lord, I'm just, this is heavy for me. Will you carry this? You can get your heart checked in the day when, I don't know about you, this sometimes, sometimes, occasionally, once in a while happens to me, I need somebody to say, like, that attitude's terrible, <laughs> like, or whatever. Because if you're in a posture of prayer, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to check your heart through the day. Say, like, yeah, I don't need to respond like that. You don't need to think about it that way. You can be discerning in each situation that you encounter when we hold our hearts in a posture of prayer. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. You'll notice in scripture, it's, it's, and probably no surprise, that joy and prayer are so often linked together. Because when you come to prayer, you are reminded for the reasons that you have joy that cannot be taken or shaken. Choosing joy requires a heart that is postured to hear from God. And hearing from God gives you the capacity to choose joy in every situation. This verse in Thessalonians also says, in everything give thanks. Like all circumstances, it says. It is a normal religious practice to give thanks to the gods when something good has happened. This is in all religions, right? But this directive here in this scripture is to be grateful to God in everything and in fact for everything that comes our way, even if it's not great, because we always have reasons to be grateful. Like always can find a reason to be grateful. Let me just give you one super awesome example of this. Romans 5, 1 to 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Give thanks in all circumstances. And also Romans 8, 28, if God really is working all things together for good, then we can be confident that we can give thanks because God is always at work. It's so beautiful how, how it's linked joyful, how beautifully linked to a joyful prayer life this is as well. This idea of giving thanks and having a joyful prayer life, all of these things together. Um, I was taught about this by my children. I don't know if they know this. They're going to they're gonna like come back and be like, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, Pastor Mom. Uh, I was taught by this about my kids when they were quite little. Because, um, you know, we'd pray with them and tell them, you know, different needs and whatever. And you go into bed and they'd pray. And without ever us teaching them this, we just would be like, say, okay, what do you want to pray for? And they would pray on their own. And um, we didn't coach them. We just let them pray. Maybe you do this with your kids. It's actually way more entertaining that way and awesome. And um, this would say, we'd say something like, um, Rob's mom had, had some real trouble with her eyesight, had all kinds of things and surgeries that she needed to have done. So we were going to pray for Nana's eyes, but my kids did not say, dear Jesus, please heal Nana's eyes. Without being taught or trained, they immediately as little children said, thank you, Jesus, that you are healing Nana's eyes. They just did. They were just assumed that, like, we're just already giving thanks for what Jesus is doing. <laughs> and we were like, I remember listening to them going, well, you know, like, the Lord's will, and uh, we don't know what he has planned for Nana and for her eyes. Like, you want to you wanna sort of, like, hedge for them, right? And I was like, no, that's a terrible idea. Just let them walk in faith. And guess what? Nana's eyes were healed, and she's okay. And so they were giving thanks for something that they didn't see, but they had so much faith that Jesus would just meet them. They taught me that. I understand, and you understand that everything we pray for doesn't, it's not, God is not a genie in a bottle, Right? But just watching that, that thankful, joyful, expectant prayer from a childlike heart has taught me and informed me for years. When you add joy to that posture of prayer and gratitude to God, it's such a, it's just equals kind of beautiful faith. And of course, this verse about God's will also says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. These directives that we were given, short and sweet, joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. These directives are simple, but you and I know that they are not always easy to live out. But, and I'm going to say but because I mean it, it is entirely possible to walk these out. It's not always easy, it's not always... Uh, it's not always the, the, the easiest path to choose, the easiest attitude to adopt. But I will tell you, friends, it is entirely possible to walk in joy and prayer and thanks because we have new life in Christ through the working of the Spirit. And this is how we will know in our lives what the will of the Father is. Because these things turn us away from bitterness. They turn us away from victimhood. They turn us into those who can fix their eyes on the future and hear the direction of the Spirit and to respond to him with obedience. And that's what it means to walk in the will of God. One uh, commentary said it like this. These are not optional secondary characteristics of the Christian's existence, but stand at the center of God's plan for his people in Christ Jesus. Joy, prayer, gratitude. Talk about green lights. These are yes and yes and yes all the time. All the time for you. 
Now, I'll tell you what these don't do. These three things don't tell you what job you should take or not. They don't tell you who to date or not. Ask your parents about that. They will tell you whether that's a good idea. <laughs> that was for my young adult children, okay? <laughs> they will not... <laughs> It's this time in life when arranged marriages start to sound very, very excellent, do they not? Yes. Is it just me? Yeah, no. No, yeah. Uh, these things in Scripture do not tell you whether or not you should buy this car or that car or not. They don't tell you what program to apply for in university. They don't tell you the specifics of where you should be serving or anything like that. They're not, they're not meant for that. But I honestly, church, truly believe that a heart that is tuned into this kind of work of the Spirit, choosing joy, being consistently prayerful, being intentionally grateful, is not only already doing the will of God, it, it sets you up to receive whatever specific direction that you need for your life when your heart is postured like that. I am not going to stand here and pretend. Like, I just do, I know these are very positive things, and I will, like, that's what the scripture says, we're going to stand in it. I don't want you to hear me saying, I need you to be skipping around and joyful all the time. That's not what joy is, friends. That's happiness. And like I said, I hope that's your life. I, I just, I want that for you. I love that for you. But we know that's not life all the time. I don't want you to hear me saying, you just need to be going around and pretending like living in a, in a, and like rose-colored glasses, like life is always perfect. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying to posture your heart in faith, to say, I have a reason to be joyful even when I'm grieving. To posture your heart in a way that says, if I remain in a posture of prayer, I will be, I, I believe I will be able to hear what the Lord has for me moment by moment each day. If, and I also will say to you that if you find every reason to be thankful, it will change your ability to understand the circumstances around you. You'll be able to see what God is doing instead of just feeling alone. And so choosing these things very intentionally doesn't mean rose-colored glasses or, or pretending or being fake or any of these things. It's a deep trust and certainty that you are walking with the Lord and that you are going to have strength for today and that, oh, thank you, Jesus, we have a bright hope for tomorrow. That's what I mean. So I want to tell you some stories. I'm not going to tell stories. I'm going to invite some people to tell some stories. Um, I, I briefly, briefly mentioned this, just a couple of minutes per person. I'm saying this to them so they don't go on and on. But, um, but I want to tell some stories about what it looks like to walk out the will of God in your life. What does it mean to be called by God in different ways, in different circumstances? And I, I really wanted to tell some stories because, first of all, we love a testimony. Time on Fifth Sunday. Hello. Always. And also, I want you to hear something very specific as you listen to all of their different stories. I want you to hear that God calls in different ways, from different places, in different circumstances. Some people he calls to very specific things. Some had a plan and God called them to something else. They're walking in a different season right now. And all of it is in the will of God for their lives. There's not one way. There's not one path. But there is an obedience to what the Spirit would call. Um, I'm going to ask my dad to come, Pastor Dell. Um, we had the greatest conversation about this because he's like, I can't tell this story in three minutes. And I said, well, actually, I have an old sermon of yours where you did tell it in three minutes. So could you? <laughs> Aren't you glad I'm not your daughter? So sassy. There's so much sassiness. Pastor Dell, if you're new with us, Pastor Dell was our, our senior pastor here for, I think, 14 years. Am I right about that? Um, A long time. 
you can have that. I was here, uh, yeah, 14 years. Yeah, right. and um, it was my pleasure to, uh, to uh, succeed him here in this lead pastor role. Um, but your story... And I'm delighted that you've succeeded me yes. in this role. And then I'm retired. Did anybody ever... <laughs> I'm retired. And anybody, as hard things come up, I say, talk oh, to the pastor. Yes. What he says now is just, we're just praying for you, pastor. We're just praying for you. Okay. So um, what, was, what I really love about your story that I don't know if everybody knows because you haven't told it in kind of a while, I don't think, but that you didn't come out of high school, go to Bible college, and start into ministry. You had a no. different path. So how did that work? Yeah. So I, I graduated high school. So I can't, I, I've got three minutes, right? Or two minutes. Two minutes. Three minutes. I said, I can't do this. I can't do this in three minutes. And she said, yes, you can. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. Uh, We're not so really anyway, I, I went, uh, graduated high school, took a year of university, decided that I wanted to explore something else, got into real estate, um, met my wife, um, we got married, so I was a young adult, and I was very happy with my life, and she had a great job, I had a great job, we were doing very well. The last thing I didn't want to be was a pastor. <laughs> my dad was a pastor, and he said to me uh, more than once, if you can do anything else in your life, do it. And he wasn't saying it wasn't a great job because he was a pastor for 40-some years. What he was saying was, be sure. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be sure. So I wasn't looking for this because I had a really high respect, a high value of what a pastor is and that you have to be called if you're going to stay the long term. Mm -hmm. Now, I ended up staying, uh, doing it for 37 years. But after eight years in real estate, uh, during that period of time, uh, because I'm a teacher, because I love to teach the word, because I love to teach, mm -hmm. I've thought about this many times, and here's how it worked. Five C's. The five C's. He's got to pre preach you five C's now. Five C's. Yeah. The five C's. The first one was, the first one, knowing the will of God, he called me into vocational ministry, was consecration. It was, was coming before the Lord saying, I surrender all. Mm, that's good. It wasn't just at a, a special meeting. It wasn't just at a camp. It wasn't, although those are very good. This was often at an altar on a Sunday night just seeking God. Or it was throughout the week or coming to a, another prayer meeting. God, I surrender all. And I kept doing that and doing that for several years. Just kept praying. Mm -hmm. The second one was C, conviction. And it was when the Holy Spirit started saying, you know what? You're comfortable, but I don't want you to be comfortable. I want you to be uncomfortable. And I said, but I like comfortable. Yes. I like comfortable. How many like comfortable? Yes. <laughs> but there was this conviction. I married a woman who did not marry a pastor. She was very delighted. Arlene was thrilled that she wasn't married to a pastor. <laughs> so this had to be something that we shared together. Yeah. And God started speaking to her heart as well, yeah. convicting her. God has something for you. And I kept saying, but I don't want that, God. I don't want to be a pastor. I want to be this lay leader. I want to be this server. Look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm happy. And he said, I have something for you to do. Conviction. And I couldn't get away from it. Mm -hmm. The third C was compulsion. And as I began to serve in ministry, I just began to serve. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to lead? And God blessed it. And God blessed it. And God blessed it. And I loved it, and I looked forward to doing it. And it was, and it was. I was still working. I was still working at, at, at my at my job. I was still uh, married. I was still uh, dealing with life. But I had this compulsion that God was calling me. He was driving me to do this, and I couldn't get away from mm -hmm. it. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, was my, it was something that I knew that I had to do. The fourth one was confirmation. And the confirmation was, first of all, by the Holy Spirit, continually confirm, right. this is what I have for you. And then people in my life, leaders, pastors, began to say, God's got a call on your life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and other people, out of the blue, one period of time, for 30 days, I remember, as we were getting closer to this, early night ago, every single day, somebody out of the blue said to us, I believe God's calling you to pastor. Like, literally. Every day for 30 every days? Every day for 30 days in a row. God called, God just said, God, I, 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 and we go, oh yeah, okay, and we'd listen to people, and they would do it, and we were actually involved in ministry, we were out where people could could see us, but we never ever told anybody that God had called us to do this, we hadn't said a word to anybody, I I shouldn't say that, there were two or three people that were instrumental in that during that time, but there was a confirmation, and Arlene even said, all right, (laughs) that's confirmation, has to be. If your spouse isn't on the team, yeah. don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. it yeah. God's not in it. If the, your spouse isn't in it, God's not in yeah. it. It, it, can't, it can't work. Yeah. But when, when that happens, and then other people. And the fifth one was commitment. I decided, God, if you're calling me to do this, then you've got to take me the whole way. Yeah. I'm going the whole The, the long-term approach. That's what I decided to do. And 37 years later, after I went off into the wild blue yonder, <laughs> into the sunset, whatever you want to call it. Is that what you're doing now? That's what I'm doing oh, okay, now. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. what I'm doing now. Here I am. And that's how God uh, confirmed that. And God blessed us. God blessed us in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I look out. I see people, the lives we've been able to touch over the years mm-hmm. and how God did that. But if you can't, if you can do anything else, folks, do it. <laughs> We might need to change that narrative just a little bit. But I hear you. But I hear you. So there you go. So those of you who are uh, led by, thanks. <clears throat> those of you who are led by Pastor Dell, I don't know if you knew that. That that wasn't just like, that was just the, like since he was three years old, he just knew he was called a pastoral ministry. Um, there was a different path into it. There was a different path into it. Um, I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask Walt's. Well, would you come and share the complete opposite story of that, please? That would be fantastic. No. <laughs> so Walt grew up in a pastor's home, actually. And, and um, I, I said to him, how do you know, Walt, that what you're doing, uh, you, you know, you weren't also supposed to follow that path. And, and how is it you are a scientist today and, uh, and doing something different? First of all, why am I following Pastor Dell? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I, I just believe in you. I believe in you. Like he's clearly. Look at who's following Pastor Dell in this room. He's a closer. He's clearly a closer. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So my my folks, her parents, uh, were the great parents, but they were pastors. And I, also, I, my mom and dad were excellent examples for me. And so I come from a family with a pastor dad who I saw a calling on his life. I saw it confirmed over and over. I saw difficult decisions that I know countered what his heart wanted, and he, he followed God's steps in that. And um, so I was always aware of the calling on, on one's life, like Pastor Dell said, to be, to be sure of, uh, if God's calling you into ministry. So I thought about it a lot. And um, so I went to university. Science was always a big thing for me. I knew I was, I guess science was always my primary drive, and... Uh, my brother, uh, Pete, went to university with me. And, um, you know, 
I was there when we shared a room and Pete cried himself to sleep, fighting his calling. Mm -hmm. And eventually we had conversations and, and he grasped that and realized he had to go to ministry. So he became a pastor. So now I'm, you know, so I got mom and dad are pastors, my brother's pastor. So I'm constantly asking, God, is this something you want in my life? And many, many, many years later, I, I, you know, it's, it's a question I will constantly ask myself. And over the past few years, I've um, settled more in peace that he needs people everywhere. Yeah. Right? And uh, where I am, I'm in a laboratory setting at all times. And so I've been in the same place maybe about 18 years. So I started, I was the young, new guy there. And, and now I'm the old man. And I've been called that a few times. <laughs> and... Uh, but uh, I, I see people every day that are never going to be in a church. Yep. And, um, and it's, it's a constant wave of uh, new people, like this, this next generation, like uh, with all the ideas, like all, this, all the, the craziest. The, the thing I've seen over the years and so many young people coming through the lab is this... Um, just craving spirituality. Like we, we, you know, everybody hears that, that God-shaped hole, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about how there's no such thing as the God. God should be everything, mm -hmm. right? But so many people are lacking and feeling and like there's something, there's something more than what they have in their life, the spiritual. Um, and I've seen them play it out in so many ways with like deep connection with this type mm -hmm. of music and different faiths and stuff. But you see it all the time in almost everybody. So I, like, I'd like to say I've sparked a prayer meetings at, at, at work and, and I have this huge evangelistic front there, but it's something I struggle with. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been good with the um, reactive uh, witnessing. If anybody ever asks me, I will tell you everything I do without holding back. The proactive element is harder, just breaking with people and having that conversation. Mm -hmm. So over the past two, three years, in particular, the, the pandemic really, really opened up doors and I've had some conversations and I've got more comfortable with uh, telling people who are struggling and stuff uh, that I would pray for them. Yeah. And um, this is the sort of thing that you, you, you wonder what the response is going to be. But if you were to guess what the response is, it is always thank you. Yeah. And if it's not thank you, it's wow, thank you. Mm -hmm. And if it's not that... It's like eye contact and, whoa, wow, yeah, I never, sure, yeah, that's great. Like, it, it's crazy. People are, yeah. people are seeking this stuff and they don't even know it, right? Yeah. And so, I don't know. I, I don't have problems having conversations with people. Mm -hmm. So, he's been pushing me a little more to use that for him instead. That's awesome. Be, don't be, you know, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, we got some things we're doing. I, I'm a little more comfortable saying it's a church thing and we have this meeting and stuff like that. Realizing I don't have to not talk about those things. But. Yeah. I'm a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Dale. <laughs> Thanks, Walt. Thank you, Walt. Uh, <clears throat> so here's what I want you to hear in, in Walt's story is that Walt, uh, Walt is, knows, he's, knows what he wasn't called to and is walking in what he is called to and is growing in that every day in his workplace. And also, he serves on our board and has for many, many years. He is here. He's one of our youth leaders on Friday night. So he has found a place of ministry and serve. Yeah, yeah, redefine. Let's go. That's for Pastor Ethan, who's on holidays today. Um, and and so finding a place to serve, and then knowing that 
what, what you're not called to is something, is part of it too. It, it's, a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And then to walk in obedience right where you are. Aaron, would you come? Yes, it's a, it's a danger. Um, yes, yeah, so I am a pastor here. So obviously at some point I felt a call to vocational ministry to do that. And um, Pastor Dell said it much, much better than I did. But um, it was at a camp. It was at Brayside. Uh, and it was many, many times of going. It, what Pastor Dell said resonated. It was a surrender. When I was a teenager, when I was a youth, um, I think Pastor Dell has said this to me before. Whenever there was an altar call, whenever the service was open, whether I felt it was for me or not, I was there. And I was surrendering, and I was, I don't know, I just needed to be as close to Jesus as I could be. And through that, I heard God saying, I'm calling you to this. I'm calling you to ministry. And actually, I felt a call to missions. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a missionary, and that's what I initially went to school for. And um, I, don't, I don't think I misheard. I think that was a season of my life. But God called me to ministry specifically. And it took a different form in my life. I didn't graduate Bible college and go be a missionary or go to a past, be a pastor. Mm -hmm. I graduated and I went and worked at a missions organization for three years. And that was deeply fulfilling. And I knew that was where God had called me and placed me. And then we had kids and I felt the Lord saying, you need to be at home with your kids. And so I took that time and I worked um, side jobs and side hustles to be home with my kids as much as possible. And Matt went and did other things. And all through that, I served at our church. I was there. I was present. I did whatever I could. And then I started working part-time at the church. And then once my kids were old enough, God reminded me, Aaron, I called you all those years ago. Yeah. And you need to find and be obedient to even the smallest stuff. And it started with five hours a week. Yeah. <laughs> and God just restored that call in my heart and my life, and he's brought me here, and I'm so grateful for it, and I didn't think I was going to cry, so sorry about that. It's good. It's your turn. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> Matt, let's tell the opposite story. Oh, come on. Yeah, the, uh, no, not the opposite story. But you hear, in, you hear in Pastor Aaron's story a completely different pathway to where she is today. Um, so whatever you have in your mind that, that, that you following the will of God or call of God is on your life, um, it, it could, can literally look like anything. Matt, we met in Bible college. Now you're doing construction. How do you know, you're, how do you know that you are where you're supposed to be in, in, your, in your call and in in what God is doing in your life? Thanks for not warning me about this. I did. We but, talked about it last week. No, it was a week ago. Okay, yeah. You think I remember that? Yes. I rem it was so impactful to me. I remember, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so, completely opposite story. I met my beautiful wife in Bible college. We were both in the missions program. And, uh, can I rewind just a little bit? I mean, yeah, yeah but sure, right, yeah. Two yeah, minutes? No, yeah. Yeah, two minutes. <laughs> I was 14 years old, hmm. and I was, it was the day before I was leaving for my very first missions trip to Africa without mom and dad. Because back in the 90s, we could send 14-year-olds on missions yeah. trips. So we don't do that now. Plan to protect With won't my allow youth it, pastor. But yeah, yeah. It, it, crazy yeah. time, yeah. right? Yep. And we were having a, a thing at the church, and you know, we got called forward to get prayed for, for for leaving. And I remember specifically this guy prayed for me, and he just said, there's a call on your life. But it's, but it's different than your dad's. Hmm. And I remember that. And my dad was a pastor. It's a little bit, of a, a, lot of, that going a little bit of a theme yeah. going on yeah. here. And, I, th and I, you know, I was very into music at the time. And I thought, oh, man, that's, this guy's right. I'm going to be a music pastor. Yes. That's what I am called for. It's awesome. 
and went to Bible college, eventually graduated, did one entire year of ministry, and then got into construction, mm -hmm. and struggled with that for mm -hmm. 10 years, maybe, Yeah. and I thought, what am I doing? I'm not in ministry, and I thought I, thought I was called, and, and then I realized I was called, yeah. and I was also called not to do what my dad did, because yeah. I can be in the mission field on a construction site. Yeah, it's good. You know, being that light, being that example, and still get the opportunity to come and play music almost every week at church. Yeah, that's it. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. It's awesome. <laughs> right? Thanks, Matt. Yes. Yes, thanks, Matt. <laughs> you may recognize Matt from Sunday mornings, a constant Sunday morning uh, worship leading, and he also does our youth worship on Friday nights and uh, all those things. Again, guys, I don't know if you've heard this, but youth ministry is kind of where it is at for... Um, again, a different path. And in fact, thinking you were going to be in vocational ministry in the Lord and settling your heart over years into something completely different. Um, Nicole, would you come and share? This list isn't like endless, by the way, but I just hope these, these stories are helping you. Tell us what you do and, um, and tell us how you know it's where God, God has you. I'm actually really nervous. <laughs> okay. They're really friendly. Like, look how nice they Hi, are. They're super nice. Yeah. Um, before I talk, Erin... Uh, you're doing missions ministry, like yeah. right here, right now in this community. That's true. And I'm like sitting there, I'm just blown away. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> God's good. She, she yeah. really is. She totally is. I mean, I know that. Oh, I yeah, know. I know that. But yeah, yeah. Um, hi, guys. Um, I am probably, I think in this world now, it feels like such a cliche, but I'm a mom. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I grew up with a deep, deep calling in my life and a deep understanding that God wanted to do something with me. Mm -hmm. And Erin, you set stage for tears, but I'm a teary person anyway. So <laughs> um, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that my calling was to be present, was to be present in life where I am right now. Mm -hmm. So God gave me a handful of, a uh, handful and one of children. <laughs> and... Like, genuinely, that is my wholehearted calling in life. And so I walk that out through all the waves and the different changes that happen as they grow up. And so it's changed over the years. In the beginning years, it was being present in the home with the littles. And so there was so much time during nap times. I would, like, pray over the kids. And I'd have people over. And we'd just, we'd just be present looking at these little ones and praying over them. And now that they're heading into these teen years, it's, like, such a whole new ministry of being present, and I got to tell you, it's one of the most humbling experience I've ever had so far. For those that have little ones, it's a really humbling journey heading into the teens. Mm -hmm. And so my calling now is to be present in the time that they're in right now. And so being present is being present in our home also. And the home has always been a deep, deep ministry of mine too. So for our home, our doors are always open. And God has called me into the season of open doors for my kids and for their friends. Mm -hmm. So every day... We have an open door for lunchtime for whoever is able to come to the house because I'm present. I am present in the home and I'm present for my kids. And that's what God has called me personally to yeah. do. And so we have anywhere from our kids to eight or more kids that are in the house. And it's just to be loved on, just to sit on the couches, just to have conversations, just to say, what's your afternoon classes? And 
And as they're heading out the, the door, I often yell, I'm like, you're loved and you're valued and know you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Very often that's what, that's what that calling is. And, and so that's what God has called me to do. And sort of it, it expands a little bit to just outside the home too. And the other thing, that, so God has called me to be present, to be um, a mom, and also to be a neighbor. And so that is sort of what my life is. And so mm -hmm. I make opportunities and I stay very present outside of my home, my literal home. And I tell you, it's amazing the conversations you have with people just walking down the street. I have a list in my phone now of, of handfuls of people that I now have to put their names in because like Tom and Kathy who live on this street over here and they, they saw the, the, you know, the community grow and this individual who had a heart transplant and this person who had a liver transplant is like, it's amazing what everyone will tell you on the front of the street. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a lot of information. <laughs> Yeah, and it's a cool opportunity, too. Like this one lady, she comes consistently, and she said, you know that thing that we were praying about? My daughter who lived in a different province, she's home. She's mm -hmm. home. We prayed for that. I'm like, wow, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be present. And it is just loving, mm -hmm. loving on my family, love, making a loving home, and then loving on those around my home. So, that's awesome. yeah, that's what God's called me to do. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. Thank you. So what I don't want you to hear this morning is, oh, I should be doing that. Or, oh, I should be like, I should be a scientist like Walt or maybe I, whatever. I want, you to, I want you to hear all of these stories, how they're so unique and beautiful of themselves and how the Lord is calling each person and that there is a way to hear his voice. And I have just one more really special one for you this morning. Come, Margaret. Are you already crying? Okay. Um, <laughs> It's so many good stories, I know. I mean, we could do this all day. I know that all of you have so many stories that you could tell, how you know that where you are and where God has placed you is where God has called you. Uh, but we wanted to take a moment this morning um, before we have lunch and tell you one more really cool story and how we can, as a church, we were talking about leaning in and hearing the voice of God. So if you don't know... Margaret's been with us for uh, eternity. You've been, at, you've been at Freedom a long time. I've been here for like 22 yeah. years or something like that. She's been so on staff for probably 11 years, 11, 12. Something. 10 plus okay, whatever. Sure. <laughs> we'll call it 10 plus okay. whatever. <laughs> so, um, and then she's always really loved missions. And so she has, uh, back in 2019, um, she did six months in Honduras. And part of the reason she went there is because she wondered if there was like a long-term call on her life to do missions. And it didn't seem like that was a confirmation in those six months <laughs> no. by any stretch. But it was a great opportunity. It was a great experience. Yes, And then 100%. you came home and said, now I know I am not called to missions. Um, but I love it. I will still support yes, it. And still, I, like, yeah. I love everything about 100%. it. Um, and then, uh, and then the last, in the, over the last two years, God has been saying something a little bit different to you. So why don't you share with us uh, what next for you was that a good enough setup yes okay there's a lot of other history I can tell yeah. you like yeah this is like yeah, my, lunch, I'm, in lunch my call. Yeah. I'm in my second career so we can talk about my first career later yeah, yeah. Um, so over the last year um, I've spent a lot of time obviously in COVID um, reflecting on the different times in my life when God has spoken to me and showed me different things in different aspects and really in this last year, this last six to eight months, the Lord has really opened my heart and softened my heart back to missions. This makes it really real. So yeah. the next step for me in uh, through prayer and through all the things that Pastor Dell talked about, I can literally go through that list and I can pinpoint every single moment that I experienced all those three C's for various different points in my life. 
And so the next thing that I am, that I feel the Lord calling me to is to go and work with the Aragons in Guatemala full time. Yeah. That's big. It's big. It's big. And it just became really big. <laughs> you guys all just made that real for her. Yeah, it's, now it's real because you all know. Um, it's a process and I'm really just in the early stages of the process. Um, but I had a really great call with... Um, global missions and really great conversation and it's going to be a process it's not going to happen tomorrow it's not like I'm getting on a plane tomorrow um, there's a lot the process is daunting but I'm glad that it's a lot because it's going to make me know for sure yeah. as much as I feel like that's the next step and I've had it confirmed personally um, my dad's never going to watch this so I can share this um, <laughs> one of my biggest fears and one of the biggest holdbacks for a lot of the things I've done in my life is the approval of my dad mm-hmm. And so he struggled when I went into ministry and gave up a career at McDonald's. And so it was a big deal for me. And when I made the decision to do this, I remember I sat down with my parents. And he said to me, I'm not kidding, my mom is weeping too. (laughs) He said to me, okay, great. What's next? What do we have to do? And I was just like, that was not what I was expecting. So when the Lord made that happen, I knew that I knew. (laughs) Because he, there was no, I never expected my father to come on board. So for me, that was sort of the final, that sort of sealed the deal right there. So, so awesome. So that's where I am. I'm still here. I'm still here though. Yeah, I'm and you're going to be here for a I'm while. I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah. So I'm still doing ministry, but I wanted to be able to have, like, it's too hard to not talk about that. It's a big, yeah. it's a so big, big project. It's so and big, yeah. There's a lot of things. So I even, even now at this point, it was getting very difficult. So I'm glad. And, and I'm glad that I get to do that from Freedom because this church family has walked me through so many things. And so... As nervous and as scared and as terrified as I am of this whole process, I feel um, blessed because I know I have a whole church family that is supporting me and will lift me up in that and see me through the next the next phase. And this will always be my church. Yeah, freedom will always obviously. Be my so obviously, yeah. yes. So for all of you, you that have been integral in my life and through different um, points, I thank you so much and just for your prayers and your support and your encouragement and all of the scary things that I've done. I feel like I've done a lot of scary things for yeah. me, for me personally. <laughs> well, Pastor Dell started this by saying God doesn't want you to be comfortable for too yeah. long. Oh. So. Um, and so, so we, you know, sometimes in, in church life, we, you know, we, we keep these things kind of under wraps until it's like she's bought her plane ticket. Um, this was getting really hard for her to not, there was just too many moving parts. And so um, we know that it's a long process. We actually don't even know how the process is going to end or wh- where this is going to end or how long. They may be like, no, you're crazy. We're not letting you Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> um, and so we honestly don't know how it's going to end. We don't know when that's going to be. It's probably going to be at least a year. At least, um, There's yeah. so much to do. in. There's this. like a year worth of training, let alone that's right, everything yeah. else. So. so there's a lot. There's a lot in that. There's a lot of fundraising. There's a lot going that has to go into it. So we don't know how it's going to end, but that's not the point. The point of this morning and, and for Margaret to share and to be faithful to share with you is to say, would you pray with us and would you pray with her? And uh, we could just be the body of Christ together. And if it ends differently than we think it's going to end, we go, thank you, Lord, for your leading. Um, but at this point, um, we, we, that's, where we see, that's where we see Margaret in a year or two years from now, somewhere in that window. So as Margaret comes to your heart, what we have learned in this series is green lights. We as a church family lean in with her and say, yes, green lights. We see in your life a deep calling for missions. We see your love for uh, that part of the world specifically. We see your abilities in ministry have grown and grown and grown over years. And we are excited. 
not for our, we, we have a deep, we know we will have a deep loss because we love you so much. It's the hardest part I know. about leaving. But we also know that there is such a blessing for you and for those people who you will be pouring into. And that's a future thing, but we already see it, and we say yes and amen for that for you. Amen, church? Amen. Let's stand together. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. Just stay here so we can stare at you for a little longer uncomfortably. We're about to transition into lunch. Um, we're going to get those soups going, but let's pause and just thank the Lord for his calling. Let's thank him that in everybody's life, the story is different, the journey is different. Some are called um, into all different, the, what did Walt say? We, God needs people everywhere. And some he calls to vocational ministry. And we say yes to that too. We just say yes, Lord. And so let's just pause and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the gifts that you give your church. You were so clear when you said, it's the same spirit that gives gifts to each person. It's, it's for, the, it's for the, the building up of the body. It's so that we can, um, we can reach the world with the message of the cross and of your victory over death and how you bring freedom and hope and how now we can have eternity with you. You gift us through your spirit so that all of these things are possible. And so we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you. We go back to 1 Thessalonians and say, Lord, help us to, to, to um, be joyful always, to pray continually and to give thanks in every circumstance so that we can walk in your will every single day. In the difficult times, in the joyful and happy times, we just, in every circumstance, we want to choose these things because like all of our brothers and sisters we've heard from today, we understand you have a call for us. You have things that you have for us to do. You have uniquely gifted us. You've poured your spirit into us and have, and have gifts that you want us to work out in the church and in the world. And so we just want to say yes. We want to consecrate ourselves, surrender ourselves and say, whatever you have, we want to posture our hearts to hear from you. And so even as um, our sister Margaret has, has now been feeling that there is even more for her in her future, I just, uh, we just uh, look to her now and we outstretch our hands and we say, yes, as a church family. We say, yes, Lord, how can we help? Now, how can we pray? How can we support? How can we speak life? How can we encourage? And we pray that as, as her process is going to be very long um, and into the future here, we just pray a blessing over every single step, over every single piece of training, over the people's hearts who are going to be receiving her in Guatemala, that all of these things would come together, even if it may be difficult, it would be coming together and all steps would be ordered by you in Jesus' name. So we say yes and amen to the calling in her life. We say yes and amen to the calling you have placed on our lives. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us in faith and in trust to walk in, a, in step with your spirit in the calling, no matter where it is or what it is, in what you have for all of us. And we pray it for ourselves and for one another. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Okay, be seated.